As the people of God, we need relationships with one another, but we often settle for names on a roll instead of relationships for life. Impactful relationships always start with intentionality. We have to commit to being together. It's time to go the second mile in rejecting shallow relationships. Hey, this is Travis Agnew. Thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 5.41, where he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. The Christian life is not just about doing the bare minimum, but seeing as close as we can get to the example and the standard of what Jesus Christ calls us to live as difference makers in this world. And so that's why for these few months, we're talking about how are you the people of God, the church, and especially within the context of a small group, regardless of what you call these smaller group gatherings, they really are the foundational place of where relationships happen. And we've talked about a few different values that are so very important uh, as we think through what is it like to be the people of God. Uh, and we've talked about the authority of God's word. We've, we've talked about the maturity of godly leaders. We've talked about the willingness to be authentic with one another. And we, we've talked about also the need for accountability in our own lives. But I want to t- uh, talk uh, for these next three episodes about the value of availability, about when you get into context of if you decide to be in a small group, Sunday school class, whatever it means, um, is that if you really want it to be a healthy group, if you really want it to be uh, strong and enduring relationships, there has to be some component of availability. And and you may be thinking, what exactly does that mean? I come to class or I I show up and I mean, I'm there pretty much most of the time or 50% of the time. What, What does that mean? Availability is implying this, that you know that a lot of life happens outside of that 60 to 90 minutes when you occasionally will gather with a smaller group of people. So what happens is, is that life happens and typically we are tempted, we are tried, we struggle with life. And most of the times it doesn't happen in those times we are gathering with God's people. So what takes place that when life does hit and things get difficult and things are challenging is that at some point we have to realize that the health of our own um, spiritual walk really implies on the people that we're walking with and how intentional we are to make sure that we're walking in step with them. And that cannot take place in 60 to 90 minutes every so often with a group of people with a revolving door. There has to be some availability to say that I'm going to be available for you so that I can help walk with you and grow and be a dear friend to you in the midst of life. This may seem challenging, but I guarantee this, this will be one of the most life-transforming things that you can do in your life, especially as it results to your small group. So even if you think about if, if the job here is to reject shallow relationships in the church, you may think, look, I don't really have the capacity for any other relationships or being available to anybody else because I've got my family, I've got my friends, I've got all these people. And I kind of want to drive home that for a second because so many people, honestly, if we really think about it, that their friends are some of the most important relationships in their life is that when life hits, who do you retreat to? Who do you retreat to? Because that is so important um, because when life 
life hits, you want to know who are the people that are you closest to. And so if you all automatically always go to this group of people or that group of people, what I want to ask you is what kind of people are they? Because some of us have shallow relationships within the church, shallow, shallow relationships within the groups that we're kind of on the roster for, but we have these deep, enduring relationships with other people. And if they're godly people, that's great. But some of us, we are much closer to neighbors who don't share a biblical worldview, and we rarely spend time with other brothers and sisters in Christ who are trying to follow the same Jesus at the same way, at the same pace. And this is why I believe that probably the most healthiest people find that their closest relationships in life are also those who are trying to follow Jesus at the same pace. So if we think about the first mile believers, it's those who are committing to a roster. You say, okay, look, it's a pretty big deal. You know, a lot of people just come to worship attendance, but at least I'm on a roster. I have signed up. I'm in a group. They know that I'm there. They check my attendance. Uh, my name's on the roster, right? And, and and I know I could be there more than than what I am, but at least I'm, I'm present, right, at some point. Uh, I'm, I'm available. I've at least signed in. I'm a little bit ahead of the game than other people. That's great. That's first mile stuff, though. Second mile, when you're really saying, let's do more than just the mediocre approach, is instead of committing to a roster, you're committing to a relationship. Folks, information can only take us so far. We need relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and that cannot be microwaved within a few minutes every week. We have to be able to be available to each other. And so with that, a lot of people would say, well, that's the whole deal. The church has gotten too programmatic, which I would say, hey, I agree with you that. If you look back at the early church, right, they were just being the church. But also, it says that they were attending the temple together. They were coming together in each other's homes. And this is what I know, that regardless of what culture it's in, those things don't happen by accident. That happens because someone set up an appointment, put it on the calendar, gave everybody where we're going to meet. They gave them a location. They gave them a time. They gave them a purpose. And guess what? However you want to call that, you you might want to call that an actually a program. And, and what I'm trying to get at is a lot of times as churches, we say, well, programs are bad. And we'll say that from a pulpit uh, at a certain hour, at a certain time, in a certain location, doing a certain thing. Well, well, folks, brothers and sisters, that, that's called a program. Uh, you might say and speak in a different capacity or an event. You know, the church doesn't need to be more programmatic as we have registered online for that event at an actual program. You, you see how sometimes this can be a little hypocritical. The reality is this, is that programs aren't a bad thing. They just can't be the only thing. Programs, especially in the context of this, being a small group, if they are a program that says, hey, these group of people on this roster are going to meet together at this time, in this location, on this day of the week, that's not a bad thing, but it can't be the only thing. Because people can come in and come out, and they don't have any relationships with anybody, or maybe they come in and out when they feel like it. So the programs aren't a bad thing, they just can't be the only thing. And what should happen is the program of a small group, putting it on the calendar, having a location where you gather, having a purpose and a plan of what you do, that's not a bad thing. But what it should do is it should serve as a catalyst to your relationship building. Yes, you can check in and check out when you want to, and you can just sort of accept those shallow relationships Or you can say, all right, this time that we gather together will be something that's really intentional and awesome. And even though it's limited in the whole scope of the week, instead of it being a check in the box and I met with these people and so therefore I microwaved my own discipleship, right? It's going, no, I started this out and this should serve as a catalyst uh, as relationship building that can happen throughout the week, whether that's through text or meeting up or knowing how to pray for each other. But it's not a bad thing when you gather together. It just can't be the only thing or else your growth will be stunted.
So if these groups should serve as a catalyst to relationship building, you put that program, you put that event on the calendar and you say that you're gonna be there. That is a good step, it's a first step, but the second step really is, okay, they should be a catalyst to relationship building. And so, because if you limit your group just to a class, just to a course, just to a time, if, if you limit your group to a class, you will only get a, what a class can offer. Maybe the best Bible teaching in the world. It may be a wonderful environment. It may be hip. It may be comfortable. The environment may be set right. The lights, the mood, the coffee, the the essential oils, whatever, diffusing in the background. Like It can all be great, right? It can be wonderful. But at the end of the day, a class can only offer what a class can offer, and that's information. And information outside of application really never, ever achieves transformation. And so deep down, how does that happen? Well, I guarantee this, that the people that make the biggest impact on you or when life hits, there's a certain small group of people that you call upon that are the closest relationships to you. And I'm saying that if they're not people who follow God, that when life gets difficult, you're probably not going to find yourself following God. You're going to call on those people that you feel the closest relational value to you, but they may not be pointing you in the right direction. And so you have to do something more than just rejecting shallow relationships and saying, okay, well, I've got my closest people over here, my church people, I just you know kind of know. No, you've got to commit somewhat to say, these people are following Jesus and we're trying to follow him in the same direction at the same pace. And, and we want to, to continue to do that. You know, if you look at the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says an interesting thing about the early church. It says day after day, they continue to meet together. It, it doesn't say once a week. It says day after day. Now, in that context, they knew, especially early on in those days, when the church is exploding, there's still a lot of hostility. And I mean, Jesus' crucifixion is still one of news that's sort of echoing through the streets there that they met together day after day because they had to or else they wouldn't survive. It was so dangerous out there that they needed the support daily to continue to follow Jesus. I've been in certain areas in the world where people will want to meet for hours upon hours and be as uh, close as they can to other believers. You know why? Because some of them will will drive in two hours on the train to come to a church that follows Jesus and knowing this, they're not going to see another Christian all week long. They've got to get out of it all that they can just to survive. When was the last time you thought about that, your church gathering? The thought, how can I soak up all these relationships in this time? And then it's a catalyst for these other relationships that day after day, how can I connect with these? people. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I think it's an interesting line that Proverbs teaches there because he's saying, look, you can have many companions. You can have a lot of relationships, right? You can have 5,000 friends on Facebook and you can max out that and you can have all these different followers on Twitter, but you only know a few people. You can have a lot of associations. You can be going through your town and, and know a lot of people by name, but a, a man of many companions may come to ruin. You may uh, get to a place in life where you're literally devastated and everything's falling apart and imploding on you, and you go, you can have many companions, and that still can happen. You can still come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Some of you know what it's like, that sometimes your spiritual family can actually feel closer than your physical flesh and blood family. How can that be? Because in the Christian bond, in the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ know what it's like to follow Jesus at such a level where we become family. And if you feel like right now that you feel somewhat stagnant in your growth and you go, well, look, I'm attending. I'm in a a group. I'm on a roster. I'm going to ask you, are you in a relationship? Do you have friends within those groups that stick closer than a brother. Like it's so tight that you know that no matter what hits, they're in your corner, they're praying for you, they're advocating for you, they're 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 
literally believe in you to hope on. We need those type of relationships in our lives and to be that way for others. Hope to see you on the second mile.